Welcome to Monday on the Mic, the podcast that takes hair care seriously. Each month, we'll be having in-depth conversations with hair care experts and industry insiders, covering everything from ingredient intel and facts to hair trends and hot tips. On this episode of Monday on the Mic, Laura McGoldrick speaks to Nick Mowbray, head of Zuru and work and life partner of our girl boss, Jamie Lupton. They talk all things business, brands and management. Enjoy. Welcome to the next episode of Monday on the Mic. I'm Laura McGoldrick. I'm very lucky to be sitting opposite Nick Mowbray and we're peeking around the microphone to see each other and have a bit of a chit chat today. And Nick Mowbray, you're known as the Zuru guy. First of all, do you like being known as the Zuru guy? And second of all, what does that actually mean? Never really thought about it, but I guess that's what's happened. (laughs) Um, And what does it mean? I guess to most people, I think it means that um, we manufacture toys, really. To more people, I think bunch of balloons when they have a Zuru guy, I guess. Um, but I think the company's quite a lot more than that now. Things are changing for you in terms of your portfolio. Now, I, I don't know much about much, but in terms of hair, I can safely say mine's far better than yours, but you've stepped into the hair game with the wonderful Jamie Lupton. Let's start by talking about Monday and how and when the idea first came to you from Jamie. Yeah, sure. So obviously Jamie um, is my partner, and we, or at least I had started sort of creating some of these new age millennial challenger brands is what I like to call them. Um, about two and a half years ago now, I sort of started to look at the big brands in these big kind of established categories and, and realized that there's this opportunity now to make brands that are relevant to, to new age audiences. Um, and that new age audiences, millennials, Gen Zs are, are caring about different things within their brands now. And they're really looking for, for new pillars, pillars like sustainability, transparency, authenticity, and purpose, um, you know, not just profit. So you've got a whole new audience, which is looking for new, new things within their brands. And now you've got a really efficient way to reach them through targeted advertising. So I experimented first off with a nappy brand called Rascal and Friends, which has become a huge success um, all around the, the world now. I think very good for the Poonamis, actually, if there's any parents listening. Very good for the Poonamis. Uh, I personally haven't experienced it with my child. I, I under, They are very good. <laughs> yeah, I learned a whole new language um, through through that business. Hang on, we're not down to the question um, where I ask if you're having kids yet. Wait on, wait on, wait on. Don't stress. <laughs> Shit. Um, but, yeah, that was kind of like an experiment, and then Rascals has taken off and become this, this huge brand, I guess, um, all around the world. And so our, our thesis was kind of proved correct. And on the back of that, we thought, well, if we can disrupt, I guess, the, the, the nappy aisle, surely we can disrupt um, a number of other categories um, as well. And, and the more we kind of looked into it, the more we saw that a couple of big consumer goods companies dominated you know, most brands and, and most categories around the world. In fact, 10 big consumer goods companies like P&G, Unilever, Kraft Heinz um, dominate about 80% of consumer packaged goods. So... Um, often there are these duopolies, and through those duopolies, a lot of those companies become a little bit lazy, um, a little bit entrenched uh, in their ways of, of doing things, I guess. And um, so there was this real opportunity to go in and create things that are new, fresh, relevant. Um, and so, yeah, we were, I was dragging Jamie into the supermarket, as I do, not to buy supermarket shopping, but just to <laughs> look at the products in the aisles and, and try and work out if we could see where some, some more white space could be. And, um, Obviously, Jamie has a passion for, for beauty products, and we were sitting in front of the, the, the shampoo aisle, and it seemed like everything was trying to scream, like every brand on the shelf was trying to be a brighter color with you know more words on the front um, um, to stand out on the shelf. And they all kind of looked 
much of a muchness and, and we started to discuss whether we thought there was an opportunity to actually create something disruptive in, in the hair care category. And, and obviously, you know, it's a huge industry as well. Most people have hair, not everyone. Um, and most people wash their hair. So um, uh, I'd like to we, see a few more wash their hair, actually, <laughs> if we're super honest, as I was driving here today. A couple of people I thought about throwing some Monday bottles at them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so but uh, so we just we, we really thought there was a, an opportunity to go into the space, I guess. So how many years would you say it's been in the making for you to get to the point where you can look at a, a category, you can look at something like shampoos or the other brands that you were talking about and go, this is some, this is an area we can disrupt. Tell us a little bit about the, the build up to this point. I think it's like been a real, a real journey. Even when we started out our toy business 16 years ago, um, we were really bad at what we did for a lot of years. In fact, I think everything we developed wasn't really successful for probably the first five or six years so it's this journey and you you start to understand things um i guess through experimentation as you go you just get a a bigger body of knowledge and so it took us quite some time even within the toy industry but once we started to get that understanding of what worked and and what innovations to go after and, and how to go after different categories then you just get better and better at it and i think now we're the sixth largest toy company in the world so that learning process happens um, slowly to begin with, those first however many years, and then it accelerates quite quickly to the point where your knowledge and understanding of how to disrupt a category comes together quite quickly. And, and I often say that, you know, usually it's the soft innovation that really helps you win in a category. Um, there's a difference between soft innovation and hard innovation. Hard innovation is something that is, you know, so innovative that it takes a lot of communication from a marketing standpoint to get a consumer to understand it, whereas Soft innovation is just little incremental changes that are improvements on the status quo. And I often say if you can combine a number of soft innovations together, that becomes quite powerful in you know winning and disrupting in, in certain categories. So I would say now most things that we launch um, are either good or successful or really successful, whereas it used to be probably every three things we launched, you know, Two would be a failure and one would just be okay. That was sort of at the very beginning and then that sort of progressed um, over the years. So how invested do you get in the things that you then put out? Because do you do you feel an element of vulnerability when those certain things that you talked about there that perhaps didn't work so well in the beginning? Did that affect you? Did it upset you? Or do you have to develop a thick skin over a period of time so when you do put things out that don't work, it doesn't affect you as much? Exactly. And so I think you learn that it's a process and so often you don't get it right first time in a lot of things but if you just start you kind of work it out relatively quickly and so I think that's the same with anything you just realize that the likelihood of making mistakes somewhere along the way is is actually quite high when you're starting especially in a new vertical or a new business and that you just have to have the knowledge that if you just keep getting back up and persevering and working it out, that eventually you're going to work it out and 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 make it work, I guess. So, um, yeah, for me, I always just knew if you just keep going, um, that's often the hardest part. You just keep going and eventually, I like to equate it to climbing a hill. Often you're climbing the hill and it's quite dark in front of you and you can't really see where you're going. But eventually you get to the top of the hill and you kind of look down and everything comes together and it, and it, and it, and it makes sense. Um, yeah. You have a lot of things on your portfolio at the moment, a lot of different brands, a lot of products that you work with. How much time do you invest in each? How involved are you in Monday? Yeah, um, so the toy company's obviously really large now. I think we're at 8,500 people 
um, around the world and and it's a pretty big machine and so I'm more involved at a strategic talent level and ideas level on the on the toy side um, and then on the consumer goods side we are building um, a lot of these brands or, 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 or buying various New Zealand startups and trying to scale them globally and so I spend I guess a lot of my time on finding great talent um, to run them and to run the individual business units um, and then great talent um, within those people's teams and then really giving that guidance or I, or I like to say that I, I'm kind of like a confidence catalyst so I'm trying to give these people the confidence that we can go in and win in these different categories and not just win in New Zealand but but win um, all around the world um, and so yeah I, 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 I kind of guess I set the vision like work on the ideas early phase work on that like kind of direction and then work on pulling the teams together and the right people um, and then just become that confidence catalyst, if you, if you like. Like that. We could all do a little confidence catalyst in our life. Um, so when it comes to Monday and you and Jamie, uh, who does what? Who takes on which roles within the Monday brand? Um, uh, I don't do much. Do you hear that, Jamie? He doesn't do much. <laughs> no, to be fair, Jamie's really driven that whole, uh, that whole business, and I think one of the interesting things when we were sitting in that supermarket was, you know, that comment that we talked about was why don't we create something that whispers when everything else is, is screaming. So everything on the shelf is kind of screaming and being as bright as possible. Why don't we create something sort of minimalist that whispers is far more subtle and that really through that point of difference really stands out on the shelf more than everything else. And I think Jamie's uh, design eye and just aesthetic and, and taste around creating a brand that really felt new and relevant um, kind of shines through in, in, in Monday and is a huge part of, of, of why it's successful. So I, I, I guess, um, you know, the difference between toys and consumer goods is that toys is very innovation product-led. So it's a lot of new product every year that's really innovative, whereas in consumer goods, you kind of keep shipping the same product, but you really innovate in the marketing constantly. So it's innovation marketing-led. And um, that's, I guess, Jamie's genius is that she is very clever when it comes to marketing and, and those rich layers of, of, of content and creating sort of communities that people want to be a part of. And so I think even I've taken a huge amount of learnings across all of our brands and all of our portfolio of brands um, from a marketing perspective with how they've, they've run Monday and how they've had that huge cut through and created that massive hype early on is, has been really impressive. When did you know that it was going to be a success? Did you was, have, a, have a feeling early on? I was confident just looking at the early designs that this is going to look, I think we got the first prototypes and we were actually up in Shenzhen and we went down to a supermarket in Shenzhen just to put them on the shelf versus all the other the brands. And as soon as we saw it on shelf, we were like, yeah, this is going to this is gonna be good. Um, you can just kind of tell and you, you get a little bit of a feeling and just the whole aesthetic for the brand really came together and and it felt tight. And I always kind of know, right? I always say, if it's not tight, it's not right. And you felt like Monday was really, really tight um, from marketing through to comms, through to design, through to messaging, um, through to how it looked on shelf. I just think the whole package kind of kind of came together through to price points um, as well. When you when you have to get something, you, so you, you create your brand, like you mentioned with your nappies as well, you've got your rascal and friends, you've got your Monday. How do you then go to a supermarket, which, you know, they're traditionalists, but for the most part, they, you know, you've got your Huggies nappies that everyone sort of knows and buys those. You've got your Pantene Pro-V that, you know, I can't remember the model actually anymore that, that used to do those ads, that you generally buy. How do you get people, how do you first get them into the supermarket and then how do you get people to steer away from what they know? 
Yeah, sure. It's a good question. And I, I think the way uh, we kind of look at it is, again, we look at 10 consumer goods companies dominating 80% of consumer packaged goods globally. And through that, they've had a monopoly over the consumer's mind for the last you know, 40 years through lots of TV advertising and their brands are really well known. Um, but through that process also is they have over time, I guess, delivered less and less margin to retail partners as well. So we go in and try and also solve a commercial problem for our, for our retail partners. So we say, you know, how do we put this on the shelf but deliver you more margin than you're making on those big national brands like Pantene? How, you know, we're making a brand that's relevant to new age audiences. You as a supermarket really need to remain relevant to millennials and Gen Zs because millennials are now the biggest spending group. Gen Z will become the biggest spending group. So how do you as a retailer also remain relevant to this audience? You want them coming into, into your supermarket or into your store to, to, to shop. Um, and we're going to drive this foot traffic and this relevance for you as a, as a retailer. So I guess we're coming up from an angle of how are we solving their commercial problems, margin standpoints, driving foot traffic, and then driving market share from you know existing national brands and from other retailers. So um, it's always about solving a problem. It's not really, from a commercial side, it's not really about selling a product um, at that stage. We've done our research and developed a product that your hair will love without any of the nasties. Monday Hair Care uses a high percentage of quality natural extracts and naturally derived ingredients in our formulas. We combine them with engineered ingredients so you get a high performance product without compromising on quality or hurting your wallet. The cherry on top, Monday Hair Care is also proudly SLS, paraben and cruelty free. Do you think that without the internet and what Jamie created online with that PR campaign that at Monday would have had the initial success it had? Look, I think what happens is that products are usually always either successful off-shelf or they're not, and marketing just pours fuel on the fire to make them even more successful. So it's the same in toys. You'll often put a product on the shelf, and if it already starts selling great, then marketing just helps it sell far better again. But if it doesn't sell off the shelf from the beginning, then it's usually going to be a failure. Marketing won't help it that much. And so I think Monday always had it already from an off-shelf perspective, but then the marketing created this enormous level of hype. So I think you know having Georgia as the, the face of the brand and then creating this Monday news series of aspirational tastemakers or, or, or leading people within their field that create a lot of content with Monday and then partnering with the likes of Vogue and Harper's Bazaar to really elevate the brand but then make it accessible from a price point perspective was, you know, this really smart kind of marketing, this old school way of, you know, getting a face of a brand, making a TV commercial, putting it on air. Um, Monday's done the opposite of that. I think it has like seven layers. So below that, there was, you know, the influencer strategy um, with, you know, I think 1,200 influencer boxes went out across Australia, New Zealand, I think combined following of 20 odd million across those influencers. Of course, there would be a lot of double ups within that. And then obviously a data-driven ad approach below that where we use, um um, machine learning and AI behind ad targeting to really reach um, our specific audience and serve them ads um, every day on the Monday brand as well. And then, of course, um, below that was sort of the media and PR strategy, and that kind of took a life of its own. It ended up on the front page of news.com.au. It's been in the Daily Mail a couple of times. I think it's been in 30 or so media outlets in the last four months since it launched, so it really sort of got momentum behind it from a from a media standpoint as well. So it really had this sort of seven-layered marketing approach, I guess, which is what created that hype and what created that big bang um, out the gates. 
There was an article in the Daily Mail that said, you know, uh, it had sold two million bottles of Monday haircare. It called uh, Jamie a girl boss, an entrepreneur. What did that make you feel when you read things like that about your partner, who you've known for a long time because you were friends before you were you were partners, business and otherwise? Um, what is it like watching Jamie just go from strength to strength? Yeah, it's awesome. Like, I think she deserves it. I think she's incredibly talented when it comes to... Uh, I mean, I, I guess she had this PR background and I feel again, like she would have been wasted doing that for the rest of her life. Like to think that she could put that talent towards her own thing and the impact that's going to have, you know, not just on a New Zealand, Australia level, but a global level um, is pretty amazing. So it's, it's sort of like leveraging your own talent, right? Um, in, a, in a sense. So yeah, I'm, yeah, really proud to, to see that. It's pretty cool to, to see all the press coverage as well. She keeps telling me she's going to be on the cover of Forbes uh, before me, so let's see. <laughs> it's going to be good to watch, actually. I look forward to that. I'll be there when we do the styling for that one, Jay. That'd be good. So when it comes to uh, going to business meetings for Monday and, uh, and and your involvement with obviously having Jamie there, did you go to meetings and stuff in the early stages together? Did you lead the meetings? Did Jamie always lead them? Did you have to were there any it's a little bit of a combination really so jamie led the the the, obviously the marketing side and the brand side and the vision for the brand and you know what she was trying to create from creating something that was really high quality but you know and really aspirational but making it really accessible i guess that was sort of her domain and then me sort of more on the commercial uh commercial domain in terms of how we're solving the retailers problems what we're going to do for them as a retailer and how we're going to um you know help them in this category so yeah we did a lot of meetings with obviously we launch in the u.s next year in about twenty-five thousand doors so we're launching with um, walmart target um, ulta um, sephora kroger wigman's cvs so um, we're launching in a lot of big retailers how do you in the get US into in those because that's those are some seriously uh, impressive places to be start just starting off at how do you get in there how does that work yeah i i, I guess we already have um existing relationships with those retailers from our toy business. Um, we don't have relationships, though, with the specific buyers or hair care buyers. They don't know who Zuru is because, you know, they're big companies and they they, they have obviously different people dealing with different things. Um, but, yeah, I guess we just go after them. There's a sense of credibility because of what we've done with Zuru, building one of the biggest toy companies in the world. So there's that credibility piece there already. And then we just go after the the, the management of these retailers or the buyers and um, we set up meetings. We managed to convince them to get a meeting and basically as soon as I think we get the meeting with them, then we're away. Um, I think our vision and our way of doing things is really disruptive versus particularly all the big consumer goods companies, but also I think we're far more advanced than any sort of small startup companies trying to do this as well. So we kind of got that happy balance of that new age sort of entrepreneurial mindset and that new way of doing things, um, using data to build brands, but also we have um, the infrastructure behind us um, as well to, to scale things really quickly. So I think we're scaling Monday up to 28 million bottles annually um, at the moment. So um, yeah, it'll it'll blow up and be a pretty significant global brand within the next two years. Um, was there any point uh, during the setup of Monday that you had to or thought about saying to Jamie, hey, I'm not I'm not sure about this, or was it always going to win? I was just not sure how it was going to affect our relationship. <laughs> Has it affected your relationship, do you think? Do you think it's made it stronger? Uh, um, uh, oh, there's, look, there's been plenty of stressful periods throughout. There's no doubt about that. Um, and then we're, I guess we're like together a lot more. Um, 
which has its positives and its negatives, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, look, it's 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 been fun as well at the same time, right? Like, it's a fun yeah. challenge, fun journey. So you've got to enjoy the journey as well. So that's what I keep saying. I say that to everyone and all our teams, right? It's like, sure. Don't go into one, business with the, oh, what? Well, no, yeah, don't go into business with partner. Yeah, exactly. No, it's all about the journey. It's all about that's got to be the part that you enjoy because once you get to the destination, you're like, ah, oh, okay, that wasn't so hard. Yeah. And so if you don't enjoy that, that, that journey part of it, then what's the point? So, um, yeah. So what does the destination look like for you and Jamie and Monday? Uh, I guess we want to disrupt hair care globally and, and build one of the biggest hair care and most successful hair care brands in the world. So it is always a big vision. I think every vertical that we go into um, has a big vision behind it. I think we're building 24 different verticals right now in consumer goods and every single one of them as we start off and, and the goal is to build multi-billion dollar brands. Um, I always say if you shoot for the moon, if you miss, you'll still end amongst the stars, right? So we definitely always have a big vision for each of these brands and we try and work out how to win across the whole process and and if we do that and we look after those micro details every day then often that big macro picture of becoming a big disruptive brand often looks after itself often when you go in and you disrupt things whatever it is you're going to face criticism because that's just people don't like it's tall poppy classic brilliant and i know that you dealt a lot with that um early on when you started up with toys and Monday has dealt with a little bit of criticism, which unfairly so. How have you helped Jamie through that? Cause you've obviously dealt with that more than she would have, I imagine. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Cause I remember when we started out our toy company and I was 18 years old and I remember we got into two lawsuits, um, like literally straight away because we didn't know what IP was and we'd made a number of like, blindingly bad areas when you look back you think wow we were that naive and that stupid but we we're in these lawsuits and we had no money to to defend ourselves and I was going to all these law firms in Colorado and they were quoting me between half a million and a million dollars to like defend these lawsuits and we had nothing and so I know what that feeling of, of stress is like when things start to go wrong but it's weird eventually you understand that being in business and being really good at it is actually just about solving problems and so it's inevitable that you're going to face problems, especially when you go on and disrupt a category, especially when you go on and disrupt the status quo, you're going to upset people because that's just, uh, that's what's going to happen, right? When you're upsetting people's um, way of doing things currently. So as long as like my mindset over the years developed into, it's going to be a given that every week, every day, I'm going to face some level of, of, of issues. And so there's no point getting upset about it. You just have to take a step back and then, take two steps forward and work out how um, you're going to solve each issue and then look after every problem um, as they come and then, again, kind of look after the micro and the macro looks after itself, right? Like you can't get overwhelmed by it. So, yeah, I just try and explain that this is inevitable. It's going to continue to happen as we go on and disrupt. Like ultimately New Zealand is, is very much a test market for us, so we're testing things here. And part of that process and testing in New Zealand is to work out if, you know, we can improve things, is to work out, you know, what tweaks can we make to make this better? Because ultimately our goal is to build, you know, global brands and and actually hire, you know, hundreds of people back here in New Zealand to support the business globally as well. So really drive employment within New Zealand and, 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 and jobs here as well. And And like I just think, yeah, I just think these... Um, 
these problems are just inevitable and there's going to be far more of them when we hit the US. So I'm always just telling Jay, we just have to work through every one as they come, basically. Monday Hair Care is changing the hair game by making luxury accessible. Our products cost you less, but don't compromise on results. Look out for our cute pink bottles on your supermarket shelf. Monday, high quality hair care, happy wallets. If you look at Monday now where it's sitting, is there anything that you would have changed in the process or are you proud of what you've achieved? Look, I think Monday is extraordinary. I think it took, in New Zealand it took 27% market share in 14 days. I've never seen that in any consumer good. I don't think any of the supermarkets have either. Um, in Australia, we overtook the number one brand in the market, Pantene, which is the Procter & Gamble brand, in sales within, I think, four to five weeks. And we didn't just overtake it. We, like, doubled it and then tripled their sales um, as well. And we would have... We ran out of stock like almost immediately. I think we did 49 times the forecast from our retail partners. So like that kind of puts it into perspective like how much of a smash hit it was. Um, could we have improved other things? Sure. Like there's always different little tweaks that we would go back and, and make in terms of um, formulas and, and different things that we could have made like a little bit better. Um, but that's like a learning process. And part of the process here in New Zealand is to actually – use this as a market to work those little flaws out and to really improve them. And I'm always a big proponent of every day you want to constantly improve in every part of your business, whether that's your people, your talent, your products, how you do things, your processes, your systems. You want to have this mindset or create this culture of constant improvement. So I would never say anything's perfect. I think we can keep making it better and better and better and better. And if you continually do that as a process and make that part of your culture it's amazing how far you get in a really short period of time we've only been doing this for we're only been in market four months we've only started this hair care brand over the last what 12 to 16 months and so we will get to in five years with that constant improvement mindset is really far basically you talked before you were 18 when you had your first uh, lawsuit uh, when it came to toys um, obviously things have changed a little bit since then and lot in lots of ways but if you could go back and tell yourself one thing what would it be do you know what? It's weird, right? Because the fact that we were really naive and dumb was kind of a good thing. Because if we knew everything, we probably wouldn't have done it all. Like we wouldn't have like been so confident and kept diving into the deep end and kept getting up because we just thought like we knew more than we actually did. <laughs> um, so it was kind of good that we were we were blindly naive in a, in a, in a sense, right? Because it, it meant we just kept pushing forward. Um, but I'm trying to think what I would what I would tell myself now. I mean, yeah, probably I would look after myself just like that little bit more. I think like I went through, it was pretty stressful in those early years. Like we literally lived on, everyone thinks it's kind of a bit of a cliche, but we didn't. We lived on less than like a dollar a day, rice and vegetables for like a number of years. And we didn't really look after ourselves that well at all. I think I was traveling to the US every two weeks and flying there back and forth, back and forth, living on no money living in terrible accommodation I just didn't really look after ourselves it was like our bodies were vessels just to try and help us get there and mm. um, we ignored them completely and then you know that inevitably leads to to health issues down the track so I would definitely probably say to try and look after myself that little bit better um, but from a business standpoint I think you've got to go through all those like hard lessons you've got to like climb that hill yourself because that's how you learn and so if you don't go through that process, they say success is a bad teacher, right? So if you're successful straight away, it's a really bad teacher and it sort of leads you into a false sense of security. So I think that the, the fact that we went through so many hard lessons over and over and over again has conditioned us now um, to, I don't know, it just creates more of a foundation, right, to, to, to create even more success. What kind of leader are you? How would you describe yourself? 
I describe myself as someone who likes getting in the weeds, but also tries to like empower everyone around me. And so I really want to lead from not a position of, I, I like, yeah, I want to lead from a position of being amongst everyone as one of them, as one of just, I don't look down on anyone ever. Um, as though I'm above them, I want to be able to work with everyone um, on, on a sort of an equal footing. Um and work with them in the weeds kind of every day. I think you got to lead by example, but I also think that leadership is about actually getting the right people on the bus, putting them in the right positions, and then really empowering them to, to you know, succeed or at least, like I said before, I'm sort of this confidence catalyst. Like I want to make these people feel like they can actually achieve big things and try and give them the confidence that they can. So I guess I just try and like really motivate people and, and, and lead by doing with them. Um, and I always think it's the best way to lead because I think that's where you learn. You learn about your, you learn about your people. You learn about your customers. You learn about where the problems are, where the pain points are, how to improve. So I think if you're amongst everyone doing it and doing their jobs with them um, every day, then you become a much better leader. You talked about adding different things to your portfolio, and as the leader that you are, what happens if one of those things that you add to your portfolio isn't as successful as the last? How do that's, you deal with that? I think that's fine. I think that's to be expected. So that doesn't ever worry me at all. And I think that mindset comes from building a really successful toy company where literally every year we develop and design hundreds of new products. And it's inevitable that a number of them will fail. And it's that mindset of we just keep firing bullets, seeing what works. And once one of those bullets works, then we go, okay, that worked. Let's fire a cannonball behind it. So we do far more of that type of thing. So when did you know the twerking llama was going to work? <laughs> uh, you know what? Um, when did I know the twerking? I just thought that was going to work. I just thought it was a cool idea when I saw it. I was like, that's funny. Like that can go viral. And it did go viral, right? It, it ended up lab Bible. It ended up everywhere all across the world. So like, I don't know. Ryan Sometimes Secrets you just kinda, really liked it. Yeah, I know. And this year it's a flossing sloth. I think that's coming out on that brand, Pets Alive. So you know, like in, in toys, like there's this level of, You've got to level. You've got to embrace like a level of craziness in products, which is, which is always interesting. But you've also got to make sure that they're going to resonate, um, and so it's always that balance. But occasionally we just take risks, right? And I would say the dancing llama was definitely like a little bit more of a risk than most products that we launch. Some very questionable dance moves it's teaching yeah. my daughter. Um, <laughs> as you're diversifying your portfolio, what are some of the other brands that we can look out for that you're working on at the moment? Yes, yeah, so I'm working with a lot of like really great young New Zealand talent, um, whether I'm working together with them or acquiring brands. So Dose & Co is one that sort of come into into our library with Libby and Ryan and, and they're still heavily a big part of that. So we're launching, launching that. It's just launched across New Zealand, Australian supermarkets. It launches across the US and the UK um, later this year, which is really exciting. So being able to take a really sort of a, a small New Zealand success story and really pour fuel on it and, and blow it up into this hopefully big global brand is, is pretty exciting. Um, New Pet Food, which um, is run by a young guy, Alistair King, who won New Zealand Young Enterprise. He's 21 years old and he's building the pet food business with me and, and we've launched in Walmart. We just launched in Carrefour in France, 2,500 Carrefour stores in France two weeks ago. Launches in Tesco's across the UK. It's already launched here in New Zealand and and then uh, it's already launched in Coles in Australia. So he's sort of leading that whole business as a 21-year-old, which is pretty exciting for him, um, um, building that all around the world, which is which is really neat. Um, Health by Habit is, is our supplement brand, which is um, on the shelves at the moment. Um, 
which is doing great. Um, Bactiv was one which we turned around during during COVID um, in the sanitizer kind of area, which is sanitizer and, and, and wipes, which has been great. We've managed to win a lot of the US business at Walmart and Target there. So we, we scaled that brand really quickly. And then there's um, there's a lot of them to come. So we're launching in laundry and femcare and and um, a lot of other categories to come. So I guess you have to, to wait and see over the next six months. Do you ever get tired? Because that's a lot of different things. And I imagine... You know, that, that is exhausting mentally more than anything to be across all of those different brands and all of those different people who are involved in, in making that all tick. Is it, is, it, is it tiring? It's definitely tiring, but I kind of, for, for, for me, it was kind of cool creating Zuru, you know, over in Asia and around the rest of the world. And it's kind of neat to get the supporting function here now back in New Zealand. And I think we've hired about 100 people over the last 24 months or so. And what's kind of fun for me is, it becomes less tiring when you're getting really great talent and you're seeing them kind of succeed and do really awesome things and do things better than you can do yourself. And so I think that keeps me, um, keeps me motivated as well. I like, I just like every time I find like some more really smart, ambitious, driven, um, often young people and I can kind of help them out and help them help them, I guess, avoid a lot of those lessons we did and really give them a platform to succeed. I guess that's like really motivating. So, and it becomes less tiring when you've got lots of great talent in your team. And so that's kind of like a big part of my focus is just talent, 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 one through 10. If you get good people and, and look after them in the right way, then they're going to look after the, the, the business essentially. Monday loves lush locks and the environment. We believe you shouldn't have to choose between caring for your hair or caring for the planet. Our signature pink bottles are 100% recyclable and made with recycled plastic. Plus, we've printed straight on them to skip the sticky labels. Right now, our team is busy working behind the scenes on a refillable pouch, so you can stock up on your favourite Monday products while cutting down on your recycle waste. Do your hair and the planet a favour and shop Monday at New World, Pack and Save and Foursquare stores. Do you ever think... Okay, here's my portfolio. It's full. I'm done now. I just need to work on these brands. Do you do you do you ever get, do you think you'll get to a point where you go, okay, that's that's enough. I see you looking out there at Jamie, but um, do you ever think that? Yeah, I mean, look, I don't know. I like for me, I just love the process, and I love the process of trying to find the white space and work out how to disrupt an industry. I get a lot of enjoyment out of that, and then I get a lot of enjoyment out of sort of creating the thesis and the strategy around that category or that industry. And then putting it into play and then seeing if it actually works. And I get a little bit of a kick out of it when like it comes together and your thesis kind of works, right? So um, I never say never, but uh, yeah, I'm probably a little bit too addicted to doing it to say that I would stop. Um, and so, yeah, we're building quite a lot of them at the moment, 24, I think. And then slowly probably adding to that. Um, but I think we can create something really special with you know a lot of New Zealand people as well and in New Zealand we don't really create many global companies or companies that have a real impact in a, in a global sense you know most people focus on New Zealand and maybe a few of them sort of go to Australia and not many go beyond that so to be able to like help a lot of New Zealand talent achieve far bigger things than they probably would ever have been able to otherwise I think that's super cool so why not keep doing more of them and bringing in more great New Zealand talent. And now might not be a great stories. time. I got something to pitch you. No, I'm joking. No, I totally don't. Of all of the, of all of the, all of the things you've done and all of the things that you have achieved, which you have done and achieved an awful, awful lot. Is there one thing that you are most proud of? Hmm. 
I would actually say probably it is like, I'd say it's probably still the talents and, and teams that we're growing. I don't think it's like one, one brand um, because, you know, at the end of the day, we've got lots of successful brands and products, right? Um, I think we have 40 plus brands. So there's lots of products and successful brands, but it's not really about that, right? Because ultimately business is about a group of people that are working towards a common vision and trying to achieve that vision, however big or small that is. And so I think for me, the thing I'm most proud of is probably bringing together a lot of amazing individuals and setting them on this path to creating, you know, and, and, and setting upon this big vision. And so definitely for me, it's, it's talent and team that um, is the most important and it's probably what I'm most proud of. It's very lovely. <clears throat> That's really nice. Maybe get a bit teary actually then. Um, <laughs> uh, so what does, what does Nick Mowbray like to do when he's not creating new businesses or helping develop one that's already already in the mix what 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 is it that you like to do for downtime do you turn off I, do you have the ability to do that i don't have the ability to turn off really unless i'm playing golf i'm a bit addicted to golf right now and basketball um so i love my sport i'm definitely um sport is my other kind of big passion you're a very smart man do you think that the black cap should have lost a world cup on a boundary count oh you trying to make me depressed sorry, right now. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, we'll go back. Sorry. No, um, no, but seriously, what, what, other than your sport, what is it that you like to do? Do you listen to podcasts? Do you like to watch movies? Is it a music thing? Oh, not really. I'm like, I'm like a pretty simple person. <laughs> like I'm really simple. I like business and I like sport and obviously family, friends. Um, yeah, dates with Jamie, not really. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm pretty simple like that. I'm just, yeah, I, like I don't really switch off, to be honest. I try to switch off. I did a health retreat this last week, which almost killed me. And that was sort of partly trying to make me switch off and hand your phone in and don't use digital devices and eat like a rabbit for a week and it sounds like go hell. on hikes every day. It sounds day. like absolute hell. I mean, it was not, it was not. It was not that much fun, I'll tell you that much. With that, that you can't switch off and it's hard to turn off your phone, because I suppose you'll be going both ends of the day given the time differences and where you're trying to get products in or products are there. Yeah, 24 hours. Great. That must be really super fun for Jamie. Um, how does that affect your relationship? I mean, Monday's <laughs> one thing, but you're constantly on the horns another. <laughs> I think she's given up on me by this stage. Like, right. She knows that it's just like part of me, it's who I am. And it's probably not going to ever change. In fact, it's definitely not going to ever change, so I think... She's accepted that. She's a very smart woman, very brave woman. Um, so, Nick, we're going to do some quick fire questions, and I do believe that um, that Jamie might be getting asked these, and we could perhaps compare it. So, are you ready? No, I'm going to quick fire. So, don't think too much. Just like yeah. answer. Right. Just go okay. for it. Just give All it right. hell. Okay. <clears throat> Who works harder, you or Jamie? Me. Oh dear. <laughs> I could start really well. <laughs> Where um, is should she? I is ask she, again? <laughs> is she going to like? Is there going to be something? Is there something coming coming my way? Oh dear, um, uh, Jamie, who works harder, you or Nick? Nick works harder. I work smarter for sure. <laughs> who is the better influence on one another? She is definitely the better influence on me. No question. This is a good one. Who's the better influence on the other? Mm, I think I'm a better influence on him. I would say. I don't know what he's going to say to that one. <laughs> who is the most annoying? Her. What makes her so ah. annoying? Oh, I actually don't know. She's just annoying. Okay, right. Just in general. All the good ones are, though, yeah. Nick. All the good ones are. All right, who's the most annoying? Him. Without a doubt, it's him. He's, he's so annoying. <laughs> People only knew. <laughs> uh, who was most likely to blow all their money on something stupid? Jamie. No question. 
Are you sure? Yeah, I don't really, I'm not like a big kind of spender. I had to park two streets over because <laughs> your car took up so much of the driveway. I don't know. I, yeah, I mean, there's the odd thing, but like in general, I'm not really like. What's me, the most outrageous thing you've bought? Oh, shit. What is the most outrageous thing I've bought? Please don't say a Mr. Whippy truck or something like that. I, I haven't really bought anything that outrageous, to be honest. I don't really buy anything. I probably live on a budget of about $100 a week. Okay, like, you just give me your credit card. I'll take care of that. Yeah. Don't worry about that. Who is the most likely uh, to blow all their money on stupid things? I definitely know what he's answered to this one. That would be me. For sure, that would be me. You know what? Nick Nick buys himself nothing. What What is the most oh, outrageous thing, Jane? Honestly, every day, every day, like, there's, like, a, a, a small, like, I think she tells the people at the house, like, to hide all the packages that turn up every day so I don't get don't to see think them. You, don't think that Look, she's the only wife or partner that does that's that. ever done yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So when we come back from the health retreat yesterday, there's, like, it literally covers the whole entrance, the amount of boxes and, like, online shopping that gets delivered. So I don't know why someone needs, like, like she bought, like, three pairs of tramping boots that didn't arrive for the hike, but they arrived after we went on the hikes last week. So she's going to But she already had a pair a... that was brand new on the hike, but she had three other pairs turn up. We've got to have options, Nick. that she has for hiking. Don't you just need, like, one pair? Well, I don't And hike. then she said she I was going to send the ones back it. that she doesn't like. Yeah. But then she said she's going to keep all three. So well, that means she, she might has four be hiking thinking of books. taking hiking up. I mean, I Which think she's being unreasonable. Like is. I've got you back, Jay. It's fine. <laughs> um, I think you're being really unreasonable. Um, who is funnier? You or Jamie? Uh, look, this is gonna. This is hotly contested. This is hotly. She thinks she's very funny for a girl. Singing That's what she always says. She's like, I'm funny quite... for a girl. Who's funnier, Laura? I'm only here to ask the question. I'm not getting paid for this, but, but I'm going to get some hiking boots out of it. She um, always does say to me, though, I'm very funny for a girl. And I'm like, what, what's the difference? What does that even mean, Jamie? Exactly, what does that I even ask. mean? What does that even mean? I'm very funny for a girl. Between, Who's like, funnier out of me? Uh, me and Jamie, Nick? <laughs> Ooh, oh, shit. <laughs> I don't want to put between this one. Oh, you're in trouble now. Okay, who is funnier? Oh, hot topic. I think me. He'll probably say him. Uh-huh. I think we've got a very similar sense of humour. Mm. I honestly think that's what gets us through every single day as we share the same sense of humour and probably what brings us together a lot of the time. Yeah, we have well, the same lame sense of humour. Well, I can say, I mean, I don't think many people could spend as much time as you two together <laughs> and be as strong as you guys are, both as a business and, and, and as a couple. So you're both funny. How about that? <laughs> uh, who is more likely to do something kind for a stranger? Oh, Nick's very kind, but he'll never proactively do it. It's probably me driving it, but he's happy for me to be kind to whoever we want to be kind to. He's very generous. So both of us. No, I disagree. Does, I think you're both. I think you're both. No, gonna, she does kind things every week. She makes it her mission to do something for someone every single week. We like do like give a littles every week, or like she's sending toys to someone at Starship every week, or she's like doing something nice. You're for both actually every week. incredibly good at that. You came into radio last really at, year and well, bought big sacks of toys for families. But I feel like it. I feel like Jamie is always the one thinking about it proactively all of the time. Whereas, and then she gets me involved. You are a lucky man. Um, what, who is the most likely to survive if you were stranded on a desert island? <laughs> Definitely my <laughs> Well, actually, oh. Well, Jamie's funny, so you've got the humour covered. If you just like put us both there, she'd probably survive longer, but I'd probably be more resourceful. In, in what way would you be more resourceful? I just think I'd be more resourceful. Can like, you start I, a fire? I, I, from... I, I watched her on the hike like this last week. How was like, it? She's not exactly a girl of nature. She's got lots that. of hiking boots, though. Of course, she she's a girl a of nature. Hiking boots. She struggled to get across the river. How did you go? Instagram. I, yeah, I mean, look, I got up that mountain pretty quick. 
Would we be stranded together? <laughs> That'd be a huge factor, right? Okay. No, One. probably him. He would survive. He would survive. Um, who complains more? Probably me. Mm-hmm. You're a smart man. I would say he complains more. I would say him. Uh, who has more friends? Jamie probably has more friends. Oh, I just have a tight group of friends. I'm not like, you know, I don't need a lot of friends. I'm in your tight friends. group of friends, though, right? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's, for fine. Sure. that's fine. That's fine. Jay, you too, right? Is she not? Yeah. I think she's not. I'm more likable, though. She just thinks she is. Oh. This is such a weird question. Um, yeah. But I would say I would say I have a – Nick has a really good crew of, you know, has a really tight-knit crew, so. Oh, I can't wait for the end of this when you guys get to see each other again. <laughs> uh, who has the most annoying habit and what is it? Oh, the most annoying habit. Oh, what is the most annoying habit? She used to say, she well, she doesn't have this habit any longer, but man, it used to annoy me. She used to, she used to use the word stun a lot. Like everything was stun. Stun. Like stun, yeah. And like, she dropped it. But it I don't like, understand. She'd say it like, I should be like, oh, isn't it stun out there today? Like, Oh, stun. Like, yeah, like she's so like stunning. stunning. Yeah, which I just thought was she's horrible. Just, and she'd use it a lot. Like everything was stun. It's stun out there. Oh, breakfast was stun. And I was like, did you just say that? Like it was know. so, it was like a habit for like a year, and then she dropped. Jay, it I'm with Nick on this one. I'm glad we've kicked that. I think it was a Sydney thing because yeah, it was when she was in Sydney, and it drove me nuts. Like Stun. I almost. Stun. Yeah. If she had have kept saying it, I don't think we'd be together today. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> I'm gonna look out for the words. I'm gonna go and have a look and see if there's the word stun anywhere near uh, anything who, on who, Monday. Who shortens words like yeah? Who does that? I knew someone that once shorted the word cucumber to just cumber, which made me really uncomfortable. Um, I didn't really get it, but uh, you want some cumber? No, I don't. (laughs) I do not want some cumber. Can you please get away from me? What is wrong with you? Annoying habit. And what is it? Do you know what? It's probably Nick. He he has this thing about flossing his teeth in bed, and it drives me nuts. I'm like, what are you, an 80-year-old man? Go do it in the bathroom. But no, every night. I mean, it's good he's flossing, but mm. does he have to do it in bed yeah. next to me where I can hear it? Uh, Nick Mowbray, uh, thank you so much for your time today. All the best when you go home and, and Jamie re-listens to this. And, uh, you know, hopefully you still have a home to go to. That's the thing. I don't think I have a home any longer. At least I've got some tramping boots out of it. Yeah, well, if you have a spare bedroom, I might be needing it. All right. You're welcome. Thank <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for joining us for Monday on the Mic. Proudly brought to you by Monday Hair Care. We'd love to hear from you. Slide into our DMs with any questions you'd like to hear answered in the next episode. And if you liked what you heard, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to this podcast.